Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Something to note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single myth about puka. Today's episode combines elements from a number of Irish legends to illuminate the puka's mischievous ways. You're listening to Mythical Monsters, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Each week, we explore terrifying creatures from history's most legendary tales. By considering these monsters' origins, we hope to better understand why these beasts were created and what their conception says about humanity's greatest fears. Last week, we heard the hair-raising tale of the father of all monsters, Typhon a terrifying being created for the sole purpose of destruction. Typhon is also known to have fathered many of the beasts that populate Greek mythology. If you haven't listened to it yet, check it out. Today we're discussing the Puka, a shape-shifting trickster from Celtic lore. Families across Ireland tell stories of the Puka's harmful tricks, ensuring that this mischievous beast commands respect even to this day. Full episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast originals can be found for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ireland is known for its hardy people and sweeping countryside, but it's also a place brimming with whimsical lore. Fairies and sprites run amok, causing mischief, and ancient spirits watch over lasses and lads throughout the land. But there are also legends that are told in hushed voices, tales that don't just exist for entertainment, but to provide a dire warning. One of these tales is about the devilish shapeshifter, the puka. The puka is an animal spirit and trickster said to live in the old ruins and hills of Ireland. It's an ancient creature who holds the fortunes of the humans it torments in its ever-changing hands. 
Though the puka can be a bringer of good fortune, it is frequently depicted as an evil entity that creates havoc and inflicts misery on the lives of the Irish. The puka is classified as a fae, which in Scotland and Ireland is a term used to identify a creature with supernatural powers, mostly originating or connected with nature. Not all fae are evil, but pukas are frequently considered to be malevolent. Whether or not the puka is seen as harmful or helpful largely depends on which part of Ireland you're in. In some areas, the puka is actually revered as a wise creature whose ancient wisdom and love of conversation can beget prophecies and warnings. But further out in the countryside, the puka is a goblin or wizard-type creature that farmers must sacrifice some of their crops to. Other tales from this region warn against walking home alone at night because a puka in the shape of a horse may force you on a ride of terror. As you go further south, the puka becomes all the more dangerous. In some places, it's known as a hairy boogeyman who creeps into homes at night to terrorize the inhabitants. Regardless of the tale, all claim that the puka has unsettling red or gold eyes. Theories abound as to where the lore of this fiendish creature began. The earliest theory ties the puka to Scandinavia, where the root word puk means nature spirit. Other historians theorize that the puka legend stems from an ancient Irish horse cult. The horse was heavily symbolic of strength and power and was often used as a totem by Celtic tribes. The Irish Celts believed that horses carried departing souls to the land of the dead, which may also have given the puka a demonic connotation. In County Down, a stretch of land in Northern Ireland, a farmer named Brian ate dinner with his wife, Mary, beside a roaring fire. It had been a bright and sunny day without a cloud in sight, and yet a steady rain had started around sunset. Brian had been grateful for an excuse to abandon his work and have a drink inside. Farming was a tough life, and drinking made it easier. He avoided Mary's sharp gaze as he poured another glass of whiskey. He knew that Mary thought him a lazy drunk. Though he managed to turn a profit on the farm, it was only ever enough to keep them fed. He was always eager to finish work for the day and sit before the fire with a drink. A loud knock came at the door. The couple looked up in surprise. Brian said, probably the rain. Mary glared at her husband until he reluctantly stood up. Leaving Mary in the kitchen, Brian opened the front door to reveal an empty doorstep. He squinted through the downpour but saw nothing but darkness. He was about to go back inside when a thin, pale young man stepped through the rain. The man had jet black hair and unnatural red eyes that glowed in the darkness. Brian blinked in surprise at this sinister man's appearance. He wondered if perhaps he had had a bit too much to drink. But when the man's thin lips stretched into a ghastly smile, revealing a row of sharp, yellowing teeth, Brian stepped back in fear. Brian was about to swing the door shut when the man spoke. 
I used to live in this house years and years ago. My family was cheated out of its lands. The man then sighed with an affected sense of longing. Brian was at a loss for words. This house and its lands had been in his family's possession for as far back as anyone could remember, so he didn't know how this man could be telling the truth. Slowly, he managed a reply. I do not think you have the right home, lad. The mysterious man let out a sharp laugh, and Brian felt a chill travel down his spine. He suddenly wanted nothing more than to slam the door and run back inside to his wife and his whiskey. Brian turned to go inside, but realized with a jolt he was unable to move. His feet seemed glued to the porch. His heart pounded as his panic grew. The mysterious man smiled serenely. His red eyes bored into Brian's with an evil ferocity as he spoke. Your family swindled mine. I will take half of your yield as payment. Brian was shocked. Half of his already pitiful yield would ruin them. Though he was terrified of this wicked man before him, he croaked out, You have no claim to my crop. As soon as the words were out of his mouth, the man vanished. Brian found himself staring at an empty doorstep. Baffled, Brian closed the door and hustled back to his whiskey. Within moments, he found the memory of the man growing fuzzy. By the time he got back to the kitchen and Mary asked him who was at the door, Brian had no answer for her at all. Brian roused early the next morning to begin his work, but when he stepped outside, he was greeted with a nasty surprise. The crops that had been sitting in nice, neat rows just one day prior were now lying in a messy pile in the center of his field. They'd been torn from their roots, ripped and half-eaten, and dumped unceremoniously in a heap. As Brian stared at his destroyed livelihood in horrified shock, he did not notice a pair of glowing red eyes that peered out at him from the nearby wood. Coming up, Brian discovers the true, vicious nature of his mysterious visitor. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. A lazy farmer named Brian had been visited late at night by a mysterious man with glowing red eyes. The man was intimidating and demanded that Brian give him half of whatever his new crop yielded. Brian refused and later found that strangely he could remember nothing of the man or their conversation. However, when he awoke the next day to check on his fields, he found that tragedy had struck. All of his crops had been ripped up and ravaged. 
early Celtic mythology revolves around a race of divine beings known as the Tua de Danon. Each of the Tua de ruled over an element of nature, such as rivers, trees, and the wind. After Christianity came to Ireland, these old beliefs were considered pagan. Many were forgotten, while others were repurposed to be more in line with Christian teachings. The Puka suffered the same fate as the higher gods of nature. The creature had previously been worshipped as a revered supernatural animal that was connected to the earth. But as Christianity grew in popularity, they came to be seen as demonic creatures. For like the Christian devil, the puka relies on temptation and trickery. It changes its shape to lure its victims into a false sense of security, and its voice to lead them far from home. But unlike the devil, the puka is not interested in sinners so much as those foolish enough to fall into its traps. It was late on a dark, cold night. Lively music drifted from a crowded pub. Its windows illuminated the dark, empty streets outside. There was no one about. All those not imbibing had laid down for the night. A massive form slowly stepped out of the darkness, casting a shadow on the cobblestone street. It was a large, jet-black horse. The horse exhaled a hair-raising snort, misting the air with its warm breath. Its eyes glowed red and fiery, like the eyes of a denizen of hell. And perhaps it was, for it was the puka. The puka kept its fiery gaze fixated on the pub. It was waiting, and it would soon be rewarded. Inside, Brian was having a grand time, as he did nearly every night. He cavorted with the same old men he'd been friends with since they were all teenagers. They talked of their past quote-unquote heroic deeds. They fondly remembered the women they had dated. They bitterly complained about the ones they had married. And they flashed a smile and a ribald comment in the direction of those unfortunate enough to still be hanging about the pub at this hour. Brian joined in all of the fun, as always, but there was a part of him that couldn't let loose as easily as usual, for at the back of his mind, he was still considering the monster who had destroyed his crops. He had offended the creature. The stories said that such offenses were not taken lightly. Was it really over? He scoffed. How could he be sure that it was even real? Any number of completely explainable things could have happened to his crops. And the man at the door? Well, sometimes the whiskey plays tricks. Brian stumbled out of the pub, his gait sluggish from drink. The puka watched as he slowly headed down the street, unaware of his sinister observer. The puka snorted again, startling Brian. But when the farmer looked around for the source of the noise, the puka stepped slowly back into the shadows. Seeing nothing, Brian continued to walk, a little wobbly, down the street and towards home. The puka chuckled softly to himself as Brian startled and tripped, falling to the cobblestone street with a groan of pain. 
The puka had visited the farmer as a pale man the night before and was furious that Brian had refused him a share of the crop. He did not take rejection lightly. He had some fun destroying the farmer's crops, but it was not enough. No, this human was just the type he liked to toy with. Weak, stupid, and utterly perplexed that anything bad could befall him, no matter how foolishly he acted. Humans never thought that their idiotic behavior would catch up to them, but the puka was there to remind them that luck always runs out. The beast watched hungrily as the drunk man staggered down the road. Tonight promised to be a thrilling evening. The puka suddenly stomped its feet threateningly and stepped out of the shadows. Brian stopped and slowly turned to look behind him. His face shifted from confusion to fear at the sight of the supernatural beast. The puka grinned as best as his hoarse mouth would allow, thinking, You should run, little man. Run so I can chase you. And then Brian ran. The puka sprang into action. It galloped toward the fleeing Brian at full speed, catching up to him easily. As it did, it suddenly shrank in size and jumped between Brian's legs, only to grow again with alarming speed. As it grew, Brian was lifted into the air and onto the puka's back. The puka ran through the village and into the fields beyond. It traipsed over farmland, smashed through fences, and tore up small gardens. It barreled toward a deep ravine, and Brian screamed as it launched itself into the air. The puka snorted with laughter at Brian's cry. Oh, how he loved to hear the terror in a human voice. Its hooves hit the other side of the ravine, jostling Brian and almost knocking him off of the puka's back. But the puka knew the oaf riding him was not going anywhere. He was the puka, and the farmer's legs would be glued to his back until he was ready for him to be thrown off of it. Brian had apparently realized this as well. He started to hit the puka's back, shouting, Let me down! Let me off! But the puka did not slow. Instead, it sped up. It made impossible leaps over streams and rivers, narrowly avoiding harrowing rocky outcrops and trees. The puka closed its eyes in bliss as it ran, mulling the things he could do to this man. Perhaps he would let him go home and then visit him as a beautiful woman to disrupt his marriage, or maybe become a termite to chew up his meager farmhouse. The puka listened as Brian began to softly weep, saying, Mary was right. I'm just a lazy drunk who could not even manage to get off of a runaway horse. I'm pathetic. Dear God, please help me. Puka snorted with laughter again. Pathetic indeed. But the puka did not notice that as he prayed, Brian was fumbling in his shirt to grab the silver cross that hung around his neck. As soon as the cross was pulled from his shirt, searing pain shot through the puka's back. The beast screamed. 
The puka bucked violently and threw Brian from its back. As Brian fell to the ground, his grappling hands accidentally tore out some of the puka's tail hair as he tried to break his fall. The puka was confused. He didn't know what had caused him that pain and was growing alarmed that this farmer was not as helpless as he thought. He strode forward, looming over Brian with his eyes glowing fiercely. And then his eyes landed on the silver cross around Brian's neck. His blood turned cold and he took a step back. So that was what had harmed him. The puka watched as Brian held the necklace out towards the puka, asking, So it is the cross that stops you, eh? Well, stay back, you fiend. The puka snorted angrily. The cross was no matter, but silver caused him great pain. How unfair that this idiot had bested him by sheer accident. He would not let his victim have the upper hand. The puka replied with a deep, throaty snarl. Nothing you possess can stop me, human. I can change my shape at a whim. I am of the mountains and the fields and the deep, dark forest. I live for generations, and I never forget those who have offended me. Brian paled at the creature's words. Then take it, he shouted. Half my yield, whatever you want, is yours. Just leave me be. The puka bared its teeth in a leering smile. It was no longer interested in Brian's crop. Now it just wanted to have some fun. Brian's eyes widened as the puka lashed out a hoof to kick the silver cross from his hand. The necklace spun through the air and disappeared into the high grass of the dark field. Brian looked up at the puka, his body shaking with nerves. The puka cackled once more, pleased that this buffoon was once again at his mercy. It gave a final snort and charged. Coming up, Brian learns to fight back. Now back to the story. A farmer named Brian had lost his entire crop after offending a puka. Distraught over his misfortune, he'd gone to a pub to drown his sorrows. But as he walked home, he was visited once again by the puka, this time in the form of a horse. The puka forced Brian onto its back and took him for a dangerous ride through the hills of Northern Ireland. Brian finally managed to throw himself off of the shapeshifter's back, grabbing a few of its tail hairs as he fell. But unfortunately for Brian, the puka was just getting started. Part of the strength behind the puka's legend is that it can truly become anything. It can be a minor nuisance like a rabbit unleashed on your garden, or it can take the form of your worst fears. In many old Irish stories, the puka appears as a physical manifestation of misfortune and bad luck, often associated with shipwrecks, lost crops, and late-night disappearances. It's an always-present scapegoat when plans go awry. The term, the luck of the Irish, is an expression that many of us know. This was actually attributed to Irish immigrants during the California gold rush. 
as miners sought to refute any Irishman's discovery of gold as pure luck. But the country's affinity for luck began far earlier. Celtic mythology is full of symbolic talismans and amulets, such as the Celtic knot and shamrock. The Irish phrase an clock cosenta refers to a luck stone, or a stone with a hole through its center. These objects can not only provide its finder with a bout of good luck, but they can protect against evil forces as well. Frequently, these talismans suggest that its owner will find gold or fortune. For the Irish, the puka serves as the unholy inverse to these luck talismans. Brian looked around in panic. The woods were close. If he could just make it to the tree line, he could perhaps elude the puka and lose him altogether. The puka followed his gaze and cackled again. Then it nodded slowly and stepped back a few paces. Brian was confused. It seemed to be letting him go. It was a chance he would not waste. Brian stumbled to his feet and staggered as fast as he could toward the trees. A few steps later, he was weaving amongst the trunks and leaping over roots. He was still a bit drunk and dizzy from the fall, so his gait was clumsy. The puka's shrill cackle seemed to surround him. He stopped, looking around frantically as the pitter-patter of footsteps was heard. And then all was quiet. The only sound was a light breeze rustling the foliage. Brian waited, his heart thundering inside his chest, but he could see nothing but the forest itself. Then a small shape darted into a bush. Brian turned, his heart thundering. But all he saw was a small figure ducking behind a tree. Terrified and angry, he called out in a weak voice, Is that all you can do? Frighten me with tricks? Did you bring me here to give me a good scare? The puka's laughing voice echoed throughout the forest as it replied, Why, shall I turn into a bear and rip you limb to limb? Shall I spit poison onto your crop and feed it to your wife? Shall I become a bird and peck out your eyes? Brian yelped as a black crow with glowing red eyes swooped at his head. He ducked and the crow sailed upwards, disappearing into the trees above. The puka's voice once again echoed throughout the forest, saying, Or shall I become a boogeyman and wait beneath the bed? Lie in wait until you shut your eyes. Brian startled as a huge shadow passed behind him. He caught a glimpse of the puka's glowing red eyes before they vanished behind a tree. Brian moaned with fear. The puka's voice rose from the darkness once again. I have a talent for knowing what is to come, the future, and you, my lad, will have a bleak one. Lazy, drunk, a wife who cannot stand the sight of you. The only thing you had to show for yourself was your pitiful crop, and now that too is gone. Brian trembled. The beast was trying to get to him, trick him into breaking so he could laugh at how pitiful his prey had become. But what the puka said to Brian 
was no different than what Brian had said to himself many times over. Brian heard a sound behind him and spun to see the puka's eyes glowing in the darkness. It had become a giant horse once more, and it appeared the beast wanted another ride. The puka sped toward Brian, but as it approached the timid farmer, it suddenly stopped short. Its glowing red glare was focused on Brian's hand. Brian looked down to see that he still clutched the pieces of hair that he had ripped from the puka's tail during his fall. The puka asked with fear in its voice, Where did you get those? Brian did not know why the puka feared the hairs in his hand, but it was obvious he did. Without stopping to think, Brian ran forward and threw himself onto the puka's back, wrapping the hairs around its throat. The puka reared up on its hind legs, trying to buck Brian off, but somehow its own tail hairs allowed Brian to remain in control. Brian held on tight. In all his life, he had never stood up for himself once. He had never taken a risk, never tried to be more than he was. He was a man who let life happen to him and rarely fought back. But fighting back felt good and winning even better. Brian dug his heels into the puka's flanks, and it took off as before, but this time Brian was in control. He directed the spirit around trees, through gullies, and out into the fields beyond the forest. Brian smiled with exhilaration, spurring the puka onward. Soon the beast began to tire, its mouth foamed, and its eyes dimmed. Finally, it pleaded, Please, I beg you, let me stop. But Brian did not slow. He spurred the creature on even harder as he whispered fiercely in its ear. And if I let you go, then you will leave me and my property alone. I will never see or hear from you again. The puka nodded, its legs trembling from exertion as its hooves hammered the hilly ground beneath it. Brian considered this beast and his request. Somehow, it did not feel good enough. Thoughtfully, he said, Not just me, all Irishmen. You will leave us be. We will not be a part of your games any longer, unless they are evil or drunk. Brian smiled bashfully. The words had come from his mouth before he knew what he was saying, but he did not question them. Now that he had found the confidence to fight back, he was determined not to go back to being a drunken layabout, and nothing would keep him from the bottle like the threat of the puka's return. As the puka nodded in agreement, Brian let go of the tail hairs that held it in place. As soon as he let go, the puka transformed into a tiny black-furred hobgoblin and Brian spun through the air, hitting the ground hard. Brian sat up and beheld the puka in its new form. Its short, rotund figure was covered in black hair, with pointed ears and small horns protruding from its head. Its eyes still glowed red, but there was no longer a trace of mockery within them. 
It looked at Brian a moment, full of respect, before it scampered off quickly into the darkness. Brian returned to his farm and went about repairing the damage that the puka had done to his crops. From that day onward, Brian never touched his whiskey again. Instead, he threw his energy into his fields and his marriage and relished in the clarity that finding his inner strength had brought. The puka, on the other hand, did not keep its bargain. Though it never returned to Brian's farm, it continued to pick up travelers and damaged property for years and years, and does so to this day. For while Brian had taught it fear, it could not ignore its affinity for fun. The puka legend is alive and well in Ireland today. The crop is typically left out on Halloween so that the puka can feast on the 1st of November. And in some rural areas, houses may even have a bench to the right of the door, as the puka prefers a seat on the right. And the puka's influence isn't just relegated to Ireland. Puck, from Shakespeare's famous A Midsummer Night's Dream, is said to be a derivative of the puka, and variations of the creature have appeared in films like Darby O'Gill and the Little People and Donnie Darko. Today, it's said that if you are of Celtic blood, then you're always at risk for the puka's attention and tricks. Irish men and women should be on their guard when walking home at night and avoid talking to strangers, lest they become victims of this mischievous creature. Its ability to change shape at a whim makes it a powerful trickster, embodying our deepest fears. But the puka's delight at human misfortune makes it a truly dangerous foe. Cross paths with this creature of the forest and expect your luck to take a turn for the worse. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythical Monsters, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythical Monsters on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythical Monsters in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 